every position I got a diamond at. But if I'm not getting a Mushu, you ain't getting a Jeremy. <laughs> what? I feel like a young no more. Right to us. We're very friendly. Much love. And just like that, we are back going deep with Matthew and Jeremy. We got Jeremy here on the beat, Jeremy on the mic, Jeremy doing everything today as the one man wrecking crew is back. Strikes again. It is just me today, guys. I just wanted to come back, you know, after holidays, just had Christmas. Uh, the guys are still out doing their thing with their families and getting everything situated for the following year. Hopefully, we'll be back to you guys on Wednesday, actually, Thursday. Hoping to be back to you guys Thursday with everybody in the studio. But I just wanted to talk about some things going on. We had a big Christmas day in the NBA. Absolutely monumental. Just kidding, not monumental, but it was big. We had some really good games in... Actually, I'm not even going to say they were good games because a lot of them were blowouts. And I don't understand why. Maybe if the NBA would have listened to me and gave us the matchups we wanted, it would have been a little more intriguing. But some things to kind of talk about real quick. Lakers bounced back after getting... I don't want to say it was a close game at all because I don't think they led at one point opening day, ring ceremony day against the Clippers. Going 0-1 against them to start the year. Coming back, going ahead against Luka Doncic and the Mavericks, and they put a beating to them. Something that I think everybody wanted to see because we were unsure how this team was going to work out following that first game, and whew, I think everybody kind of had a sigh of relief. To be honest, for me personally, I didn't count ring ceremony as a big game because the emotions that go into ring ceremony, I think, kind of take away from the game. You're not there for the game that day. You're kind of there to get that big, big, let me say that again, big championship ring put on your finger, and those rings did not disappoint the ceremony was awesome, having the players' families do it, um, technically presenting the rings, although there are no fans out, out there in the stadium here in L.A. That's probably the only bad part. But to see Frank Vogel smile when he got that championship ring and it was his family uh, presenting, to, presenting it to him was awesome, absolutely awesome. So, like I said, opening night did not matter to me for the Lakers. What mattered to me was game two. Just to kind of see where we are, get an idea, a better idea of what the team really is going to be this year. And like I said, they did not disappoint at all. Montrez going for more than 20. Montrez is going to be the pickup, I think, that really makes a difference. Yes, he's been lacking defensively, but you see him on that offensive glass, and it is ridiculous. This guy's pulling down two, three extra bass. Uh, yeah, two or three extra opportunities for the guys. Whether he's going back up with it or he's able to kick it out for an open three, anything like that. I think he's going to be really big this year just because he gives those Lakers the second chance opportunity that most teams don't have. If I'm not mistaken, in that game, I don't think the Mavericks had a second chance point for most of the game. Yeah, that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I can't remember if it was them. Or the Timberwolves the following day. 
But regardless, Montrez absolutely still in this free agency period. I think he's going to be great. Dennis, Dennis Schroeder, looking like what everybody wanted him to be. Coming out, doing great in the pick and roll, getting some baskets, playing some energetic defense. Not the greatest, but he's out there playing good defense. The only thing that worries me with him, I kind of see him trying to force feed AD. I think I've already seen two, three, four turnovers in the three games that they've had. And I just don't like that part. It looks like he's trying too hard to get that ball to AD. I want him to take his time. But like I said, it's early in the season. These guys are still adjusting to each other. Not a big deal. Now, we look over to the other side of Staples Center. Where you have the Clippers. You know, following that first night, I was like, wow. These guys might go ahead and make an actual run this year. Not get bounced 3-1 after having a 3-1 lead, right, against Utah. Uh, Paul George, that's the difference right there. He's not pandemic P no more. He's not bubble uh, bubble Paul George no more. He actually looks really good. He looks more like that first year in OKC with him and Russ where he was an MVP candidate, playing great defense, able to score the basketball. He used to look really good. Except for one game. And that one game was a real, real, real big clunker for them. As they were down 77-27 at halftime. At halftime, they were down by 50 points. After they lost Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi got elbowed by Serge Ibaka. So he didn't play. Now this is going to be the telling sign. Can this team win without one of their superstars? We saw the Lakers go up against the Timberwolves. I, I know, Timberwolves aren't the strongest team in the world. However, they still went out there without, to me, I'll say this, their best player in Anthony Davis who took a night off. Whether it was really a leg contusion or not, he took a night off. And they went out there against a catless, which is, again, I understand, no Carl Anthony Towns, is D'Lo and a bunch of guys out there and your number one pick. And they put it to them again. Another 26-point win, 27-point win, whatever it was. And they were in control the whole game. The whole game. Wearing those nice blue, Dodger blue uniforms with the Los Angeles in cursive across the chest. They looked great. Now, like I said, Clippers lost by 50 points without Kawhi. So this is going to be the real sign of saying which team is probably stronger and deeper. Now, those are your two contenders in the West. And before the guys jump on me the next episode, I was wrong about the Warriors. The Warriors are a disaster right now. Doesn't mean they can't get back in it. But they do not look good at all. I don't know if Steph can carry the load. I I just don't think he could do it. You know, I saw a thing that kind of said, did Steph need, need KD or did KD need Steph? And it really got me thinking. And the answer was, neither one of them needed each other. The key component that they both needed was Clay Thompson. Wow, what a difference he makes. I thought bringing in Kelly Oubre and Kent Bazemore, now they weren't going to be those exact Clay Thompson players, but they'd be able to do something similar, kind of get some points up, maybe together average 30 points, maybe two or three steals a game. Play some good defense. Be some wing protectors. Kelly Oubre through three games. 
has not made a single basket like outside of 10 feet, which is absurd. Now, whether he's just not getting the basket, is just not falling, tough defense, whatever it might be, it's not working for them. So with that, I think our warrior talk for the year is going to be very, very little. And I'm sorry for our warrior people, but until they can show us a little something, I don't know if we can be talking too much about them. However, there is a team that I kind of said, hey, keep your eyes out. Now, whether or not you can say, well, that wasn't easy when to call or not, the Nets look dominant. Dominant. Yes, they beat a weak Warriors team. Blew them out the water. Absolutely blew them out the water. All right, that's fine. Christmas Day is what really kind of showed like, hey, how in the world do you stop these two guys? Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have just been magical together. Other than the game against LaMelo and Terry Rozier and the Hornets. For whatever reason, that game just didn't work out and they actually lost today too. But today's game was no Spencer Dinwiddie who is out the rest of the season with a partially torn ACL and who's going to undergo surgery. No KD, rest. No Kyrie, rest because they were on back-to-backs. So it didn't make too much sense probably playing them. Coming back from all those injuries, it's fine. But man, when these guys are all on the court, watch out. Watch out. Because those Giannis-led Bucks do not look as strong this year. Giannis doesn't look confident from anything outside about 10 feet. Not hitting from the free throw line. Had an opportunity to win a game and blew both free throws. Lost a game. So, it's going to be real, real interesting on that East Coast. See what's going on. Miami is looking pretty decent. Minus Jimmy Butler kind of tweaking his ankle on Christmas Day. Not a big deal. They went out and beat the New Orleans Pelicans. Who have this week's Western Conference Player of the Week? Player of the Week, Brandon Ingram. Like I said, being a star, a stud, a man against boys over there, putting up whatever he wants. I believe he dropped over 25 points in each game. The first, I think he's already had four games over 25 points. I think he's averaging around five assists. Probably like six, seven rebounds. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but still, this guy is looking great over there. So happy to see him finally becoming that star that I knew he would be, that a lot of people here in LA knew he had the opportunity to be. When we look over the last team that I kind of want to talk about real quick the Phoenix Suns. Wow, what a turnaround for them, huh? Ever since that bubble, they looked like a real team. Now you get all-star future future Hall of Famer, yeah. Chris Paul helping lead the way, and they're doing a great job. Great job over there, and I really think Matt may have got it right. He put them up pretty high in the conference. I think they might be a 4 or 5 seed this year. I really do. Now, I had them in the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. Hopefully, I'm right with that prediction, but these guys are looking real, real good. Hopefully, they continue on. Now, as you guys know, it's just me today, so it's going to be a short episode. So that's going to be the end of NBA talk for today, just because when the guys come back, we can open up and go real deep into it and dive into that NBA life. So kind of turning over, there has finally, 
finally been a little bit of noise in the MLB world. However, it's going to affect here in L.A. real big because the San Diego Padres have gone out and gotten two aces to join their rotation of Denson Lamette, Chris Paddock, next year Mike Clevenger. These guys, they got some arms, man. They got some real arms over there. They got Blake Snell and you, Darvish, as of today. And that doesn't even mean they can't go out and sign Trevor Bauer. And I've been seeing, you know, here in L.A., I, I follow Dodger profiles, not profiles, but Dodger accounts, and it really irks me. That's right, irks. That these guys aren't giving the credit needed to these San Diego Padres. Dodgers in five, Dodgers this, Dodgers that. Are they worried? No, blah, blah, blah. No, you should be worried if you're a Dodger fan. I really think you should be. Now, I'm not saying, oh, no, the world's coming to an end or anything like that. But this year is going to be really competitive because these guys got a real rotation. Everybody talks about the Dodgers rotation. They may have just matched it. I truly believe they may have matched it. One, Blake Snell, Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw's legacy is a lot better. And Kershaw's numbers are better, but at this time, on any given night, Kershaw can get outdueled by Blake Snell. And it wouldn't surprise me because Blake Snell has that stuff. Blake Snell might be dominant because now he is in the NL West. The NL is really the, the big part. Getting away from that AL, usually your ERI is going to drop a little bit. Especially they're in the AL East where this guy had to pitch against some quality Red Sox teams. Blue Jays, I like to hit nothing but home runs. Yankees that hit nothing but home runs. And I guess the Orioles, who every now and then they can hit a home run. But still, man, this guy was in the AL going out there, won a Cy Young a few years ago, battled some injuries, some nagging injuries. And he may be back. We saw him in the World Series, that final game. He should have been left in there, and Dodgers probably don't win that game. Maybe he gets pushed off. And then things get real dicey on what happens. You know, thank you, Kevin Cash, for taking him out. But still, at that time, you leave him in and you see what happens. Now he's over here at San Diego, who is very analytical, I believe. But I think they got a little, you know, they're willing to gut check and go with it. So you probably won't see that here, but that is a great pickup. You Darvish. You Darvish last year, was, I believe, was runner-up for the Cy Young. Yes, it was a shortened season. Who cares? He was still dominant for about three months, four months, whatever it was, that short season. 60 games. Even with that, that is a great pickup. Great pickup. And they, I believe they got Victor Cantani back in the deal. Another catcher that they needed after trading Francisco Mejia to the Rays in part of that Blake Snell trade. You know, I don't know, for whatever reason, Dodger fans kind of look at you, Darvish, as a bum. I personally do not think he's a bum. I think he's an excellent pitcher. I think on any given night, once again, he can beat your ace. And it's probably more consistently than a Blake Snell. Now, I think Snell's stuff is better, but you, Darvish, has that it factor as well. He has it and can go out and win some ball games. So, Dodger fans, be on your toes this year, man. It's not going to be easy at all. Not one bit. 
There's going to be a real challenge. Not only that, Dodgers have some glaring holes right now. Yeah, but the Dodgers don't have that. Blah, 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 blah. No, there's holes. I look at second base. Just for starters. Gavin Lux, who I believe the world in, and everybody tells me to. All the Dodger people I know, they're like, Gavin Lux this, Gavin Lux that. All right, man, I'm riding with you guys. I, I see a little bit there. I'm not there every day like you guys are, but you guys say this is the guy. That's the guy. I'll believe in you guys. Hasn't showed much yet. So it's iffy right now, right? No problem. All right, let's just say that's one hole. Move over two spots. Third base. We have no third baseman as of now. Right now, Edwin Rios is your starting third baseman until you either resign Justin Turner or figure out what you're going to do there. And there's no guarantee Turner even comes back. So this is why those Padres have a chance. Not only that, go out to left field. Who is your left fielder? You could platoon A.J. Pollock because he crushes lefties, right? That's the theory behind it. But what about right-handed bats? You don't have anybody out there no more. More than likely, Jock is leaving. No more Jocktober. Geek is leaving. Maybe you could put Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor could be your everyday left fielder. But is that the strongest left fielder in the world? Probably not. So you have three holes that I mentioned right there. I look at the Padres. I maybe see a hole at catcher. Probably Jake Cronenworth is their first baseman. I think they have a hole at second. And maybe one hole in the outfield. That's it. These Oh, and their bullpen. But their bullpen is just as shoddy as ours at times. So that's a toss-up. But I'm just saying, look at There's competition again, which is actually really great for the Dodgers. Remember, they've been on this huge streak of winning whatever it was, seven, eight division titles. This year is going to probably be the hardest one. <sighs> it's tough, actually. Say this one. Because that year when they came back against the Rockies and Diamondbacks was pretty tough. That was a hell of a year. Even though we lost. That was 2018. Even though we lost. That was still a hell of a year. Hmm. Competition-wise, though, this will probably be the hardest year. That year they were playing bad. This year is going to be competition around them. Should be a lot better. Diamondbacks, gritty. Usually about 80 wins a season. Maybe a little bit more. Rockies, same thing. About 70, 80 games a season. Giants will probably be the only bad team. And then you have those Padres. In a 162-game season, I see him winning 90 ball games. Dodgers probably win about 92. But that team is going to win 90 games. And that is absurd to me. You're going to have two 90-team winning teams in the same division. Again, you know, we've had some great other other side of the West, we've had some great, great competitors. This one should be taking the cake this year. The firepower is there. The flair is there. The little mini rivalry between LA and San Diego is there. Oh my goodness, I'm so ready for Dodger season now. And baseball season, for that matter. Wow. But guys, stay tuned. Thanks for listening with me today. I know it was just me, so it probably wasn't as fun. But I really appreciate it. And as always, everybody... Much love.
no 